Take your Bibles this morning, please, to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to deal with a very, very important topic this morning, one that the Lord's dealt with me about, and I'm sure, I'm positive, that you'll be dealt with as well. I'd like you to stand when you find your place this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, for a much-needed message for our church today. We're going to begin reading verse number 17. You probably know this one. And I'm going to read it slowly so you hear. The Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a what kind of creature? A new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become, what's this word? New. And all things are of God, who hath reckoned. Now, if you see that word reconciled, underline or highlight who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now this morning we brought one specific word. I tried to bring emphasis to it. Let's say this word together. It's the word reconcile. Can we say that? Reconcile. Let's try again. Reconcile. And friends, what a desperate need, a desperate plea God has that every man, every woman, either be reconciled or be one who reconciles others. We're going to deal with that this morning. We're going to preach a message titled, The Responsibility to Reconcile. The Responsibility to Reconcile. To reconcile. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the testimonies that people have talked about you, Lord. They've talked about what you've done, what you've accomplished, how you've worked. Father, we pray as we preach this morning, God, that you give clarity of mind. Help me, Lord, to be clear in my speech and right in my teaching and doctrine. Father, help us today to see you high and lifted up, that we may love you more dearly, follow more nearly. And Father, please help us. Today We love you and thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you so much for standing. Shortly after the turn of the century, Japan invaded, conquered, and they occupied Korea. Of all the oppressors, Japan was most most ruthless against Korea. They overwhelmed the Koreans with a brutality that would sicken the strongest of stomachs. Their crimes against women and children were so inhumane, I cannot even give you the definitions of it today. Many Koreans live today with the physical and emotional scars of the Japanese occupation from years ago. One group singled out for concentrated oppression was the Christians, the Christian Koreans. When the Japanese army overpowered Korea... One of the things they did was board up the evangelical churches and they ejected all foreign missionaries. It has always been fascinated how 
people fail to learn from history. Conquering nations have consistently felt that shutting up churches and shutting down Christianity, they want to do it, but it doesn't work. In Rome, when the church was established, it hasn't worked then either. Yet somehow the Japanese thought that they would be successful in taking away all the Korean Christians. The conquerors started by refusing to allow churches to meet. They put people in jail that were Christian spokesmen. The oppression intensified as the Japanese military increased the, into, to profile into the South Pacific. Called the Land of the Rising Sun spread its influence through a reign of savage brutality. Anguish filled the hearts of the oppressed and kindled hatred in the Korean souls toward the Japanese. The Korean church has always had a reputation as a singing church. Their voices of praise could not be concealed and tied the little wooden frame sanctuary. Song after song rang through as their service continued. These Koreans met in a little church, friends. <laughs> they wouldn't say no. One pastor said that they should, uh, they entreated, he entreated the local police to let them permit meat for one service. He said, please let us meet for one service. The Japanese policeman said, you can meet for one single service. It didn't take long for the word to travel. Committed Christians, uh, they, they were starving for the opportunity to worship. They quickly made plans to come to this church service. This one service in Korea. The Korean families made their way. They passed, uh, passed the Japanese captors. They went to their church. They closed the doors and started singing to the Lord. Amen? That's good. The people towards the back of the church... As they started singing, Nearer my God to Thee. That's the same song that was sung when the Titanic sunk. Nearer my God to Thee. The people toward the back of the church could hear when they barricaded the doors. But no one realized that they had doused the church with kerosene until it smelled of smoke. The dried wooden skin of the small church quickly ignited. Fumes filled the structure as tongues of flame began to lick the baseboard of the interior walls. There was an immediate rush for the windows, but momentary hope recoiled in horror when men climbed out of the windows, came running back in, their bodies ripped apart by bullets. The good pastor knew, this Korean church knew, it was the end with a calm that comes over with confidence he led his congregation in a hymn whose words served as a farewell to earth and a loving rendition to their Savior. With smoke burning their eyes, they instantly joined as one to sing their hope and leave their legacy. Their song becomes serenade to the horrified and helpless witness outside. Their words also tugged at the hearts of the cruel man who was burning them alive. They sung this hymn, Alas! And did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would He devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Amen. The strains of music and wails of children were lost in the flames. The elements that once formed bone and flesh mixed with the smoke and they dissipated into the air but the souls who left singing finished their course in the throne room of God 
clearing the remains of that church. They were also erasing and they were creating hate for decades. In the decades that followed this massacre, the bitterness was passed on from generation to generation. The Japanese, although conquered, remained a hated enemy of the Koreans. The monument the Koreans built at the location of the fire not only was a memorial to the people who died, but stood as a reminder of their pain. Wouldn't you be hurt too? The Korean people who found it too hard to forgive, they did not enjoy the peace that passes all understanding. I'm getting somewhere. I know this is long. It wasn't until 1972 that hope came. A group of Japanese pastors traveling through Korea came up to the memorial of this church. When they read the details of the tragedy and the names of the spiritual brothers and sisters who perished, they were overcome with shame. Their country had sinned, and even though none of them were personally involved, they still felt national guilt. They returned to Japan, committed to right a wrong that happened. They raised 10 million yen, which is $25,000, The money was transferred through the proper channels and they built a beautiful white church where the last church was burned down and those people died. Although their generosity was acknowledged and their attempts to make peace appreciated, the memories were still there. It still didn't heal the bitterness. It still didn't heal the pain, the the torment, the bitterness they had towards the Japanese who killed and burned those Christians alive. But something remarkable happened. During the first service of that church, the song leaders started and they sung, Nearer My God to Thee. The same song that was sung when they were burning alive. As the memories of the past mixed with the truth of the song, resistance started to melt. The bitterness, because they were Japanese. The Japanese uh, nationals came and even a representative of the nation came to this first service as a, a demonstration of their sorriness for this murder. The normal stoic Japanese could not contain themselves. The tears that began to fill their eyes during the song suddenly gushed from deep inside. They turned to the Korean spiritual relatives and begged them to forgive in this service. But the love of the Japanese believers, not intimidated by decades of hatred, tore at the Koreans' emotions. At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away, one Korean turned towards a Japanese brother, then another... And then the floodgates holding back a wave of motion let go. The Koreans met their new Japanese friends in the middle. They clung to each other and wept. Japanese tears of repentance and Koreans tears of forgiveness bathed the sight of this old nightmare. Heaven had sent the gift of reconciliation to a little small church in Korea. I read that on purpose. I know that's probably the longest illustration I've ever given you. But these people needed to be reconciled to have reconciliation. And friends, we desperately need it today. And I'm not just talking about reconciliation at home, uh, in your business, or with bitterness you have towards others, or being reconciled with family or friends, or bitterness you have toward past hurts, but you also need to be reconciled to God. Many of you are at a, a, a point in your life where you pushed away. You've, you've stood away from Christ. You've, you've kind of separated yourself. And the Bible says here in 2 Corinthians 5, Be ye reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Today we're going to deal with the responsibility to reconcile. Number one, I'd like you to notice the God, the God who 
reconciles. Or the God of reconciliation. Look with me in verse number 17. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are come new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. And hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. Number one, I'd like you to see the change reconciliation makes. Do you, sir, do you, lady, young person, elder, do you remember what Christ did for you? Do you remember the old man was put off, the new man came on, that you are a new creation, that there was such like a metamorphosis, like a caterpillar to a butterfly? There's a great change in your life. And friends, if you don't know that, and you haven't experienced that, then we must check up on if you've been reconciled to God. The change that reconciliation brings. My Lord brings a change. Did you know that? My Lord brings a difference. My Lord changed everything for me as He should have done and can do and will do for you. When a man is reconciled to God, he is a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become... What's that word? New. He is a loving, compassionate, holy God who made the difference in my life. Do you know the Civil War was carnage? It was horrible. Jefferson Davis of the Confederacy died. Ulysses S. Grant of the Union died. And their widows of each party, Verena Davis and Julia Grant, settled near each other after their husbands died. And they became the closest of friends. Reconciliation. Being reconciled. The change reconciliation brings. It says, And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself. Reconciliation has the idea of restoring, of coming back, of bringing us to a point in our lives where we are one with Christ, we are reconciled, and having reconciliation. Now, there's twofold things. Either you're one of the two, probably. Either you are a lost person who is unsaved. The Bible says, Be ye reconciled by God to God by Christ Jesus. We are reconciled in proper relationship with God, not because of our works, not because of your suit and tie, not because of your nice attitude or the way you think you smell, whether you have deodorant or not. It's not based upon that. Your reconciliation is based upon what Christ did for you. He paid the punishment that you were owed, sir. You, lady, you deserved the death on that cross, but Christ paid for you that ye might be reconciled to God. The difference, the change reconciliation brings. And I'm thankful if you're saved, thank God you're reconciled to God with your salvation. Thank God for that. Number two, I want to show you the cost. The cost reconciliation is worth. The Bible says, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Do you know, friends, that the value of an object or a value of an item, it's not based necessarily on what we would want it to be based on. It's usually based on what someone's willing to pay. It's based on what someone's willing to pay. Listen, friends, when me and Allie got engaged, I bought her a nice diamond. And you know, that diamond realistically is not really that important, but culture makes it to where that thing is of high value because of how much someone's willing to pay. And trust me, my wallet went from that thick to like that real fast because of how much I was willing to pay. Now tell me this. Tell me this. What are you worth if God the Father would let God the Son die on a cross? What do you think that you are worth? 
the cost that reconciliation brings. That is his worth. This God needed a way to reconcile man to himself. A reconciliation, a oneness. Now, God will not reconcile you if you're still in sin and abominations and rejection and unsaved. That's not it at all. He reconciles us by Christ Jesus. He is the one that tore the veil of separation between us and God. Sin separates us from God. Did you know that? The sinner is separated by God, by their sin. And then the saved person also is broken of fellowship by their sin as well. But there's only one way. The cost is Jesus Christ. That's the cost of reconciliation. Friends, that's a big price to pay. I couldn't pay it. And you, friend, you could not as well. The payment for our sins. It says he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Christ didn't die for the good parts of you, sir. You, lady. He died for the worst part of you. He died for your sin. And that's a high cost. And friends, he was willing to pay. Number three, I'd like you to see the commitment reconciliation deserves. We're going somewhere. The commitment it deserves. Now the Bible says here, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. How many of you would consider yourself that new creature? <clears throat> Amen. Many of you. How, much, how many of you would agree that the cost, that reconciliation for us, it, it was a good cost. The Christ was worth it. Amen. Amen. Yes, all of us are nodding. Yes. But now we're talking about the commitment that reconciliation deserves. Here's the problem. The Bible says that we are reconciled. The Christ is the good cost. But here's what the Bible says in verse number 17 and 18. Actually, verse 18, look at this. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Now, here's what God's done. It says, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. He says, you have been reconciled, and now you have the ministry of reconciliation. Friends, the commitment reconciliation deserves. God changed us. With a great cost. Now he commits us. He wants us to have this ministry. It's not your job. It's not your duty. It's not your ministry. To just do what you think. Now many of us have this idea. Where we need to do this a song leader. We need to be a preacher. We need to be a Sunday school teacher. We need to be this and that. Friends the greatest ministry you can have. Is being a person who helps reconcile people to God. That's it. Reconciling people to God. What do you think people getting saved is? That's being reconciled to God. Did Christ make any difference in you? Are you a new creation? Are you a changed man? Are you a different woman? Are you so selfish to not give it away? The most heinous thing you could do, friends, is to want to go to heaven alone. It says the commitment it deserves. He says, listen to me. God says to you, you and all of you, if you're saved, you have the ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? You might say, I want to serve a jail ministry. Or I want to have a nursery ministry. And those things are wonderful. We need that. But above all, God has says, you, sir, ma'am, teenager, child, adult, if you're saved and Christ has reconciled you, you are now in the ministry of helping reconcile others to Him. That's the responsibility. This is what God wants. He reconciled you. That's the change. Then you have the cost. That's Christ. And then you have the commitment it deserves. And I'm afraid, if I'm honest, I think all of us would say we are not per a person or an individual who reconciles others, are we? 
I don't see many of you shaking your head no. But because I know how many people many of you have led to the Lord has been very slim, I know it's not true for us. And friends, he says, the ministry of reconciliation, you know what could be most important in your life, what could be most beneficial for your family, for your loved ones, for your employees, for those you work with, all of them. If you would be a person who says this, God, I know what you've done in me. I know what it's cost. I know the change. And I will commit to be a person who is in the ministry of reconciling others. That's, friend, is your responsibility. That's the God of reconciliation. That's what he wants. Number two, I want you to see the guide. The guide of reconciliation. Now, verse number 18, it says, He hath given to us, He hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, I'd like you to see, number one, the characters in reconciliation. The characters, that's the who. Who should have to help reconcile others? Who should help having to reconcile others to God? Who? You. You. And not to do it, friends, is called rebellion. It says Christ has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. And not to do it, friends, not to perform and not to involve is called rebellion, whether you want to admit it or not. Many of us, all of us most likely, are in some form of rebellion in the ministry of reconciliation. Because guess what, friends? You are responsible and you will be held accountable for how you help lead others to Christ. Who's the character? So you have a few characters in reconciliation. Who is involved? You have God the Father. You have Jesus Christ. You have you. And then the person needing reconciliation. Now you can be the person who's... Man, remember there's two people. Either you need to be reconciled or you're a person who can help reconcile others. You're one of the two. So God the Father sent Christ the Son as a payment for sin that we might be reconciled to God. That's the characters. Who's involved? You. So again, to repeat, you are either a person who needs reconciliation or you're a person who should be reconciling others. One of the two. And let me add more to that. If you're unsaved, you 100% are the person who needs to be reconciled with God. And if you are saved and you're in rebellion and sin and vileness, you need reconciliation as well. To be reconciled with God. That's the character. Now we're talking about the guide of reconciliation. That's the characters. Now let's talk about the channel. The channel of reconciliation. The Bible says, He hath given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. Guess what? God does not have to use you. Did you know that? God does not have to use you. You are not special. You are not all that and a bag of chips. You're not one. We are not worth anything. We are but worms. We are vile, corrupt sinners. And thank God we, He even uses us at all. But get the, here's the good news for you. If you want to reconcile others and be a person who reconciles lost people, God chooses to use you. Did you know that? He says He hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. You know what New River Baptist Temple needs? We need to be a people who are take seriously the ministry of reconciling others. The channel, are you an able tool? Now let me ask you, God wants to use you, but friends, sometimes He cannot because you choose not to be used. Are you an able tool? Are you a good, proper function? God not only wants you to reconcile others for Him, 
Listen to this. But he wants you to reconcile others with him. Here's the rule. God not only calls you to do things for him, he also calls you to do things with him. He will not require you to do anything he will not help you succeed in. Hear me again. God will not ask you to do something he will not also aid you to perform. If he calls you to do it, he will help you perform it. The channel of reconciliation, that's through you. This is the guide. Now we're going through the guide. We have the God of reconciliation. Now the guide of how we do it. Number three, you have the compassion of reconciliation. That's the why. So we have the how, we have the who, we have the why. It says, he hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That's compassion. You know that you, listen to me clear as day, you do not deserve to be saved at all. You do not deserve it. Do not feel entitled. Do not feel like you deserve it, that you are owed something. You do not deserve to be saved. So thank God He has compassion on sinners and people who sin that they might be reconciled to God to have fellowship and relationship and salvation with Him. Thank God for that. Christ does not have to reconcile you at all. But it is by His grace He has saved us, right? And it is by grace He helps us to be sanctified once we're saved. Friends, sometimes we need to be reconciled fresh. You've been in sin. You've been wallowed around in filthiness and rebellion. Be reconciled and fix the problem with God between you and Him. That's the guide of reconciliation. Now, number three, we're getting somewhere. You have the God of reconciliation you have the guide. Number three, you have the goal. The goals. The goal of reconciliation. What is this all about? Why should we do it? What's the goal? Well, in verse number 19, the Bible says, To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. I'd like you to see, number one, the care of God. To be shown. The care of God to be shown. That's a goal. That the care of God is to be shown. It says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Do you know that when you reconcile others, it's not for your glory? When people lead lost people to Christ, it's not for you to write names. You can keep a record, but it's not you for to receive some kind of glory and to tell, oh, I've led so many people to God. I've turned so many people to God. I've done all of this. I'm such a godly person. That's not what it is at all. The goal is that God gets the glory. The care of God is to be shown. Reconciliation shows us how much God cares to have a relationship with you. That's what it shows. He gave all of that for you to be reconciled. He opened the door. All this is, don't, don't take it offensively or hatefully. God is patiently waiting. Sometime impatiently too. He's standing. What more does Christ have to do? Is He died for you. He's buried. He rose again for us. And he's waiting. Will ye be reconciled to God? And he just says, that's the care that I have for you. It's shown because I sent Christ so you could be reconciled with me. You also have the comeback. Here's the goals. These are the goals of reconciliation. The care of God is to be shown. The comeback to God to be soon. 
to come back to God to be soon. Whether you're lost or saved, when you're reconciled with God, He wants it to be done quickly. The Bible says, reconciling the world unto Himself. The Bible also says, be ye reconciled to God. In verse number 20, be ye. That's a command to be reconciled right now. That's what He says. To come back to God to be soon. What's it going to take for you to finally get right with God and stay right with God? What's it going to take for you, lost person, unsaved, and you know it, and conviction is hard on you. What's it going to take for you to finally get saved and to be reconciled with God? What more has to be done? To the person who's saved, I believe many of you are. Maybe you are out of fellowship with God and you know it. What more is it going to take? What more is it going to take for you to be reconciled with God, to have forgiveness that you are one in the same? And many of us won't do it. Pride says, oh, I won't say I'm sorry. Well, I won't change. And friends, maybe you need some forgiveness. You need some reconciliation in your own personal life, your family, your job, or other issues in your life. You need to be reconciled with some individuals. So here's the goal of reconciliation. Number one, the care of God to be shown. Number two, the comeback to God to be soon. And number three, the charity of God to be shared. The word charity is an old English word for the word love. The love of God to be shared. The Bible says, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. The Bible says, God says to the Christian, you should be the one to help reconcile others. Listen, there's no one better equipped to reach your family, your loved ones, and the ones you work with than you. There's no one better equipped to reach Southwest Virginia than you. There's no one better. No one. Not me. I'm not the best one to reach your family. You are. I'm not the best one to reach your coworkers. You are. You are the most equipped person to reach the ones God's put in your life to reconcile and to be a reconciler for people to return to God. That's the three goals. The care of God to be shown to come back to God to be soon, it should be you. If you come back, come back soon. You know what this church needs? It needs some of our members to be reconciled to God, that they come back in fellowship with God. They come to the altar, they sit in their pew, they weep, they cry, they say, God, I've sinned against you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I've done. Here's what I've done. Lord, please help me. I'm sorry, and I'm going to repent. That word is hated by most, but needed for all. Here's a good rule for you. I hope you're a good repenter. Because if you are, you probably do it every day. Yeah. So the care of God to be shown, the comeback to God to be soon, and the charity of God to be shared. Lastly, so to recap, we saw the God of reconciliation. We saw the guide of reconciliation. We saw the goal. Now, number four, the grace, the grace of reconciliation. Verse number 20, please. The Bible says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead. Look at these words. Be ye reconciled to God. Here's verse 21. Here's good doctrine for you. For he hath made him, that's Christ, to be sin for us who knew no sin. Christ was not a sinner. That we, that's us, might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's the way to be reconciled. Now, the Bible says now we are ambassadors for Christ. The ministry of reconciliation, right? You know what an ambassador is? Just to give you a little illustration. It's a person who...
who is a representation of their leader. So in other words, the Americans have ambassadors in Europe and other countries. And friends, if you're an ambassador for God, here's what it means, a few things. You say and act exactly the same way your master does. You don't say anything your master wouldn't say. You don't do anything your master wouldn't do. You don't perform anything that he wouldn't perform. You do exactly if you are. Here's what an ambassador is. is someone who does exactly what their master would do if they were there. You know, if we were ambassadors for Christ, you would act just the same way Christ would if he were there. That's the call of the ministry of reconciliation is being an ambassador for Christ. But also an ambassador is a representative. You actually have to represent someone or something. Now we can represent football. We can be an ambassador for the draft. We can be an ambassador for even our church and not be an ambassador for Christ. For Christ. To be an ambassador for him. He's our leader. He's our ruler. And we are reconciling men to our leader because we are his ambassador We are his man, his lady, to reach and reconcile the world to him. We don't need new politics. We don't need new presidents. We don't need new Congress or senators. You may disagree. It's not going to change the world who it is. We need the Savior Christ who can reconcile him, these lost men, to God. That's what the world needs is the right relationship with God. So, number one, I'd like you to see the career of reconciliation. It says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. That's a career. That's our job. It is grace that allows us to even reconcile others to him. That's what you're called to do. You want a job? You want a duty in this church? Time to be an ambassador. You want this church to grow? How many of you want it to grow? Anybody? You're going to have to be an ambassador for once in your life. You're going to have to. Or it's never going to happen. Friends, you know why a lot of people don't go to churches? Because of Christians themselves. You're going to have to be an ambassador for him. For him. Do you not want to reconcile others to God? What other purpose do we have in this church? You were reconciled. Old things are passed away. All things become new. And then you reach others. Each one reach one till the work is done. That's the responsibility. And friends, if you aren't doing it, you are irresponsible and you are rebellious. Let that be a warning to each of us. That's the career. We are to be ambassadors that reconcile others to him. Number two, I want you to see the Christ of reconciliation. The Bible says three things here. It says, now we are ambassadors for Christ. It says, we pray you in Christ's stead. They say, as ambassadors for Christ, we pray, we beg you, be ye reconciled to God. That's what I'll ask you to do today. So Paul asked, he told the Corinthians this. He said, I I beg you, Will you be reconciled to God? Will you? He says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. It's all about Jesus. He's the only way to be reconciled to God is through Christ. Through Christ. The only way. Lastly, I'd like you to see the call. The call of reconciliation. The Bible says here in verse number 20, Five words. Be ye reconciled to God. Now, the meat of the message is over. And I'm going to ask each of you to finally get serious about Christ and about God. Get serious. Quit being lukewarm. Either be cold or be hot, but quit being so lukewarm. Choose. It's better to be cold and hot than to be lukewarm.
Choose today, will you be reconciled? Maybe, let me talk to two different kinds of people here today. Or maybe three. The first person I want to talk to is the person who's lost. Who's lost? What more is it going to take for you? Christ did the work. He's paid the punishment. You just have to accept by faith. We talked about that in Galatians. Be ye reconciled to God. He's paid it. It's all there. And friends, if you won't accept it, that's on you. He's done everything he was supposed to do. Now it's on your turf. It's your turn to decide. The other kind of person is who I believe the majority is today. What in your life, when is the last time you put up a good fight against your sin? When's the last time? Maybe there's this little sin or big sin. Maybe you have a secret sin or sin that's crippling you. Why don't you get reconciled with God today? Because the Bible says in the book of Isaiah that sin separates us. It is, causes a separation between us and God. It's a broken of fellowship, not of salvation. A break of brokenness of fellowship where our prayers aren't as good, our Bible time is weak, our flesh is winning and is victorious. When will you be reconciled to God? It's what the Bible begs of you. That's what God begs of you. When will you be reconciled to God? We'll see. We'll see tonight. With some people who could be here, won't be here. We'll see how we act this week if we really want to be reconciled. We'll see. The proof will be in what? I always say the proof is in the pudding. And what more is it going to take for you? How many days, many of us are, we're all getting older. How many more days are you going to waste doing the same old junk you've always done? You think one day you're just going to get some magical miracle of something that's going, oh, God's just going to do this in my life. No, no, no. (gasps) Friends, why do you expect God to give you more when you will not obey what he's already given you? Why won't you do it? You think he's just going to keep providing these kind of things for you and you still won't obey and do what he asks? Here's the question. We all have a responsibility of reconciliation to reach others, to impact their lives, to bring them to be reconciled to God. That's what we need to do. But friends, maybe you need to be reconciled. Friends, listen to me. Like the old me and uh, I've been on airplanes plenty of times, traveled a bunch of different places. I always say the same thing. Put on your air mask before you help others. And friends, if you yourself are not reconciled, That's the reason you can't reconcile others. That's the reason you're not reconciling others. It's because you aren't reconciled yourself. So that's the question. Will ye be reconciled today? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes, please.